All right. Well, I've been excited to talk about this. Um, when people ask Meredith when I got back, they're like, so was it hard having Andy gone for nine days and three kids to yourself? And he's gone to the Middle East. And if you know where Israel is, it's surrounded by all these awful things. And she's like, actually, the hardest thing was having to listen to Andy talk about the trip when he got back because he won't <laughs> stop talking about it. And honey, there's, this just has to be unloaded in this, that, and the other. So I'm excited to talk to you guys about this. I've got this little book. Um, uh, well, that they gave us on the tour. Um, so kind of give you an idea of, um, it's got different maps of Jerusalem, what it looked like um, in, you know, before Jesus, during Jesus' time, what it looks like now. So some of these places are kind of get an idea of just how close everything is. Um, so y'all can pass around that and look through that while I'm talking. Um, I titled this Worship World. So uh, a couple weeks before we went, um, we were getting in the car and, and Camp said, hey, Daddy, when are you and Seth going on that trip? And I was like, are you talking about, where are you talking about? And he said, to Worship World. And I was like, <laughs> You know, Disney World, there's Dollywood, there's SeaWorld. And, um, and then when Seth and I got there, we realized just how true those words were. Because it really just, the whole week, it just felt like your heart was exploding with worship. So I hope this Sunday morning, this is not a talk just about, hey, check out all these cool places I got to go. And um, just me talking about how great a trip it was for me. Um, and this is, so it's not just hearing me talk about a trip, but it's also like not a Dr. Everett Hufford talking about the, all the different religions of Jerusalem and the biblical history. But this is just a testimony, like David said, a story um, that honestly I'm still unpacking. So we, I'll talk about this in a second. We had like seven weeks before the trip went. I didn't even know I was going on this. So I didn't have time. Like I'm hoping the Ivies get to go next year. Maybe I'll have a whole year to prepare for this. Um, so I'm still unpacking, but going through this has kind of helped me through this. So um, <clears throat> some of the cliches I'd heard about going to the Holy Land was you see the Bible in color. Um, it comes to life, and that is entirely true, and that's not doing it justice. I mean, my first you know, couple weeks getting back here, VBS is on Jonah. We'll see in a second. We saw where Jaffa, where he literally got on a boat to flee from God. Um, Eric's first sermon when I got back was about David and Jonathan hiding. David was hiding from Saul um, in the Engedi Mountains and in those caves. And that was literally the first sermon I heard it when I got back, and we had just driven past that three days prior. Um, this, in pre preparation for this trip, kind of, I met with Eric after the trip, and he's like, well, what did you get out of it? I said, part of it was I just had this crash course intentional study just trying to prepare me for this. And that discipline has really continued through this after, um, after I went. Um, another thing that came to mind was sometimes, Meredith's used this phrase before, sometimes God just shows off um, and you're like, you know, things that you just never could have imagined could have been put in place, it happens. And it happened numerous times on this trip. Um, and then another thing we'll kind of get into, it, it is worship world and this was like a spiritual utopia. Um, and you're literally standing on places where Jesus walked and you're worshiping him in the heart of Jerusalem and yet over here off to the distance you hear the Muslim prayer being blared on the speaker. And you just come out of the temple where all these people, the Jewish faith, literally are so close to the truth, and yet they're missing the big picture. So just a reflection of what our world, what even here in Memphis, looks like, where we come together and worship, even though outside of our walls it may not be the exact utopia that we, ex we experience, but we hope it will be. And the other thing is just realizing that this is such a Mecca. I mean, it's the holiest, it's one of the top three holy sites for the Muslims. Um, it's the holiest site for, for the Jewish faith and then for us as Christians. Um, and yet being there and you'd see all these different tour groups coming through and it really was every nation, every tongue, every tribe there worshiping. So um, the way this all came about was I was literally, um, it was Easter. Uh, the week a couple days before Easter, I was laying in bed and I get on the phone, I'm scrolling through the phone and Meredith's like, she had already been asleep. She's like, will you please get off of the phone, get off of Facebook? And I was like, well, honey, I'm actually just reading the Bible passage for the day. And, and I said, we got to go to, we, 
I know. We got to go to Israel. We got to go to Israel someday. And we thought about going years and years and years from now. We're, you know, um, we've got our medical school debt paid off and the kids are grown and so forth. And she said, well, I think, I think Seth's going. And she said that almost like a throwaway sentence. That's Meredith's brother. Lives in Nashville. And I was like, what? I just talked to him three days ago. He didn't mention it. He said, yeah, I think he's going with Darren Whitehead, who's a preacher right there at their church, Church of the City in uh, Nashville. Um, and she said, yeah, I think like Chris Tomlin's going. And I was like, what? So I had to, I looked online. It's like 11 o'clock. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. This looks amazing. And so I texted Seth the next day. It was a Wednesday. It's my day off. And I was like, man, it sounds like you're on the fence about this. You've got to go on this trip. It sounds like a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Mm-hmm. So he said, dude, I was literally about to ask if you wanted to go on this trip with me. Can you call me? So I called him. And this is one of those, like, I still get goosebumps talking about it. So he's at Dennis. He works with the dentist, Jamie Burton, there in Nashville. He's a believer. And, and their church had been going and advertised. And, and Meredith and his family has always talked about going to Israel because her granddad, who preached for 75 years and made three to five trips to Israel over his lifetime and just always talked about how amazing it was. But when he and Granny's health got to a point where no one else could, you know, they couldn't go anymore, and our family always wished we could have gone with them. So it always been on our heart. So, but Seth was kind of encouraged by Carrie to go, and so he went to the dentist. He said, "Look, we're already going on beach vacation. We're already doing another vacation. I know it's crazy. It's seven weeks. It's a busy time of the summer. But can we go? Can I go on this trip to Israel?" And the dentist didn't say anything for like ten seconds. He just was just in shock, and he said, "Seth." I had a dream that you and Darren Whitehead and Chris Tomlin were in a foreign land um, weeks ago. And I didn't even tell you about this dream because it frankly sounded a little creepy. I was dreaming about you and two other guys in some foreign land. Um, but he said, the fact that you're asking if you can go, I think God's already put it in plan. You're supposed to go on this trip. Now, I'd like to point out, I was not in that dream, but I wanted to be in that dream. So I was like, sure, I'll go. So he's like, do you want to go? And I was just encouraging him to go. And I'm thinking, dude, you're blowing my mind. I can't. I mean, I, y'all know me. If I, I plan Disney World trips like 18 months in advance. Neither one of us had a passport. Neither, or active passport and it was seven weeks we we're going I was like I don't know and then I had to ask Meredith like hey you cool with me going to the Middle East for nine days and leaving you and the kids behind but she was like look if y'all wanted to go to Ireland for nine days I would have said no way but I'm pretty sure God said you're going on this trip so things got kind of put into place I mentioned you know granddaddy had always gone this is literally we're good we were there in June literally two months before that you know we're having this conversation so basically got things put into place expedited the whole process and then once all those things once that dream kind of got put in place it's like yep we're going so we had the fan gear so Seth and I are pretty pretty excited to go um, and what's crazy is you know we talk about Israel at the time but literally Israel's the size of New Jersey just kind of inverted uh, or kind of flipped but all this biblical history we talk about all happened in here so the dark yellow parts Israel these lighter kind of tan parts over here on the on the left side over there to the right and then the top right that's Palestine but you'll see Bethlehem Jericho um, part of the Jordan River over there so we'll talk about that in a second so for anybody that's interested in going we went with the tour guide we didn't have to plan anything literally everything was taken care of even they helped me get my lost bags which has now happened to me on this trip and when I went to Belize with the youth group and they lost my bags uh, but the first day and we're just going to go through this hopefully just kind of give you some imagery of kind of getting your mind set into Israel got to the Israel airport started walking through the market kind of looked like Aladdin it's the only thing I could uh, think to equate it to um, and we were all sleep deprived I think residency did help me a little bit because I never really dealt with jet lag but all of us were, were pretty pretty tired but then we start driving through and you know, us from the south, we start looking at the Mediterranean Sea, like, oh, it kind of looks like Destin. And you realize we really hadn't been that many places. Well, that's the only thing we compare it to. <laughs> um, but we started our trip, and I'm, I'm sure this is planned this way intentionally, but we started our trip in Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee area, which is pretty 
I kept reflecting on it. Like we spent the first three days in the Sea of Galilee area, and that's literally where Jesus' ministry was. And then as the week ended, we made our way to Jerusalem where, um, where he, his death, burial, and resurrection. So it was amazing to be in the site of his ministry to begin with and then the site of his death at the end of the week. So this would be from our hotel room. And then out here was the Sea of Galilee. Um, they call it the Sea of Galilee. I don't really know how big it was. It's basically just a big lake. I mean, we're on this side. You can see the shoreline on the other side. Um, interestingly enough, kind of back straight o'clock, about 12 o'clock, is the Golan Heights, a part of Palestine. But right before the Golan Heights, by the way, they love Donald Trump in, in, in Israel. They're actually naming a village after Donald Trump over there. It's kind of interesting. And I imagine going out on the Sea of Galilee and having this reflection time in the morning and night. And meanwhile, there was a club right over here about 4 o'clock, and they were always playing dance music and stuff down there. So it's, it's kind of a weird thing, because if you're not Christian there, then the Sea of Galilee is just another city, and people go visit it. So... Um, but the first day we started um, uh, this, uh, we went stayed in the Galilee area. So Mount Arbel, Sea of Galilee, and Capernaum, and the Mount of Beatitudes. So some of these places, I'll be honest, we got this itinerary before we went. I didn't know what some of these places were. So Mount Arbel is actually not specifically ever mentioned in the Bible, but it's the highest point in the Galilee area. So to kind of give us a lay of the land before we got there. Um, over here to the left, you could see a, a road that would have taken um, Jesus from Capernaum to Nazareth. Um, Eighty percent of his ministry um, uh, years happened in this Galilee area, and 29 out of his 36 miracles happened through here. Some people actually think that Mount Arbel was such a high point, and they don't say it specifically, but per perhaps the Mount of um, uh, his Sermon on the Mount and maybe his ascension may have taken place at Mount Arbel, but they're not for sure about that. Um, so our first day I said, hey, you're going to be on the Sea of Galilee for roughly uh, an hour or so. And Seth and I were like, well, that sounds cool. So we're just riding in a boat and just taking it all in. And you think about what happened here. Well, that's literally where he called them. And he said, hey, you know, they immediately left their nets and followed him. And that's what I kept thinking about on this trip. Because I'm like, yeah, I got all this other stuff planned. I'm not ready for this trip. But hey, this clearly God wants us to be on this trip. So we went. This is where he calmed the sea. And this is where after he appeared to the disciples um, after, uh, after his resurrection. And he told them, you know, hey, throw, the, throw your nets on the other side of the boat and you'll find some. And then that's where he met with Peter and he talked about, and he asked him three times, do you love me? And he said, I want you to feed my sheep and I want you to follow me. So kind of coming full circle from Matthew 4 to John 21 there. Um, they've actually found this boat um, that was back, uh, dated back to 2,000 years ago. Now, no, no reason to know that Jesus would have been on the ship, but this is what one of those small fishing boats would have looked like. Actually just kind of washed up against uh, deep on the shoreline of um, in the Galilee area not too long ago. Um, so they were just kind of hanging out, and they have these awesome kind of um, made-to-look-like-old boats, but um, they're on the Sea of Galilee, and we're just still kind of meeting everybody on this trip. Got a little Memphis, so how crazy that we ran into somebody that's literally not from Memphis but wearing a Memphis Tiger shirt while we're there. But then while we're there, there's Noah's Ark. Actually, I'm just kidding. Um, but all the boats were named um, for different biblical characters, which is kind of cool. Um, but while we're there, all of a sudden these boats started kind of collecting, and all of a sudden we realized, like, there's this boat with speakers and this and the other, and it was Darren and Chris, and there in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, we got to worship. Um, and, as, you know, Chris Tomlin gets to worship all places all over the world but you know he's like look this is literally at the epicenter of where these things happen um and so be able to you know worship him there seth and i like like this is like literally the best moment of my life but we had a couple other moments like that too but just amazing all these people from all over the world there and of course the crazy part was the people that drive on the boats they actually weren't christians so they probably thought well, i don't know what's going on but it was still just amazing to to be right there in that spot um that's the fish we had for lunch um i didn't really get to eat it because long story short the preacher's wife was trying to keep these boats from colliding she messed up her finger they told her that she was going to have to go to the er 
Um, and they said, well, what we can do is just pour some hot coffee on it and give you some illicit substances to numb the pain. Um, so anyways, there and I were taking care of his wife's finger uh, during that. But I didn't get to really enjoy the fish like I was hoping to. Um, and this is us with Chris Tomlin. Uh, you know, the cool part for us was being in Israel, um, obviously getting to, to worship, and that's something we'll talk about later, is, is like you just felt your heart was overflowing with that need to worship. Um, but he was experiencing this just like we were, and fortunately everybody in our group, you know, it wasn't bugging him, but I had to get one picture just so I, that's like really for Carrie's sake. So Meredith, uh, our sister-in-law Carrie, I think her two favorite people on the earth are Seth and Chris Tomlin. So we just had to take that to, to prove that we got to see him. So then we went to Capernaum, um, which looking into the Capernaum, there's so many fascinating things about it. They call it the town of Jesus because Jesus spent so much of his time. He literally lived there, moving from Nazareth. Uh, they talk about Matthew. Um, he actually, that was the town where he resided most of the time when he was staying in the Galilee area. Um, in Capernaum is where he declared himself to be the bread of life. Um, and one of the things I found interesting, so we were going through this area, and the, the, this back wall back there is the city gates to Capernaum, which is basically where anybody coming in and out of that city would have been, including tax collectors. So the thought is, Matthew, that may have been pretty much where Matthew was stationed to work most of the time. This millstone that's kind of centered here in the uh, picture right there, those are the types of millstones when Jesus said, it's for better than to lead one of my children astray, would be greater, you know, might as well have a millstone tied around your neck into the sea. The sea of Galilee is right behind you, and he might have been looking at a structure just like that. One of the things that was fascinating reading through talking about Capernaum is literally Jesus um, performed all these miracles in this area and yet they rejected him. Um, and so when he talks about the destruction and woe to you, it would have been better for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you, Capernaum was wiped out. There's no active community there left in Capernaum. Um, so the white limestone bricks right there is from the fourth century synagogue um, but right below that kind of the more of the darker stone right there that actually was from the time of Jesus the Jewish synagogue so the base or the foundation of that these are homes in that um, area but what's interesting and I talked with um, may mentioned this to some of y'all if I've talked about it so many of these historical places they, they, they put a church on there, which in some ways feels, takes away a little bit because you're like, well, it's just a building and all this beautiful art, but you take away just from the kind of the innocence of the structures. But at the same time, what better way to celebrate some of the things that happened there? So that's actually the church built over where Peter's mother-in-law lived. Um, so that's one of the miracles of Jesus. So underneath this glass is the home where they, uh, where history says is where Peter's mother-in-law was. Um, uh, so, and he came and he took her by the hand, lifted her up, and then left her, and she began to serve them. So this is one of the first instances where you really get to see how many different cultures around the world are coming to um, go on this Holy Land pilgrimage. At Seth and I, at the, um, at the Dead Sea, you can see again some of the other ruins of Capernaum, and then this big structure of um, the statue of Peter. So the next we went to the Mount of Beatitudes. Um, this is not my picture. I don't, do, I don't have all the cool filters, but I stole this from a guy on our trip because um, his pictures were way better than mine. Um, but walking up there, um, it's, it's unbelievable because in some ways there's just desert, and then other parts of Israel you have this lush, um, less vegetation over this area. Um, and that picture is really not meant to be cool of me and Seth, but I just somebody took that, and it just made me think of all these people sitting there listening to Jesus talk about the Sermon on the Mount and knowing exactly what he was talking about when he would use illustrations about the Galilee area. So that was our first day. It was a whirlwind, and Seth and I got back to the hotel, and we're like, man, it's the best day ever. Can't get any better than this, and then it just kept getting better. So then, again, some of these other places, I'm like, I've never heard of some of these places. So I'm like, Megiddo, what's Megiddo? So Megiddo is actually Armageddon. 
Um, so it's, a, it's actually a site that over 10 battles have happened, both in biblical times and modern times, even dating back to, I think, the World War I. Um, there have been battles there, and that's thought to be, so some people say this is where Armageddon is going to take place, but Scripture actually says it's just where the meeting place of the seven leaders is going to take place, and then for the final battle to happen at Jerusalem. Um, but even for the, this, there's some, you'll see some pictures in a, sec, uh, a second. It talks about literally dating back to the time of King Solomon. There were a couple of other um, uh, kings of Judah that actually died there, and it was a, a fortress. You can kind of appreciate. What's interesting, some of this stuff's just interesting for Jewish history, but this is a strong fortress in this valley area, but in order to get water, it was outside the area, so they'd have to dig underground. So one of those tunnels to, to see what the Israelite soldiers would have had to do back then. There's so much history in Israel. The Kellys went in, um, to Israel a couple years ago. They went for two weeks. We were there for eight or nine days. And even in y'all's two weeks, I'm sure you couldn't see and do everything. But as we're driving by, and this is just literally me taking a picture out of the bus, you're like, oh, yeah, that church up there, that's Mount Tabor. That's where the transfiguration happened. And you're like, dude, that's just crazy. Like, oh, yeah, look out the right window, look out the left window. So much history. Um, this is Mount Carmel. So um, y'all familiar with the story of um, Elijah um, and, and the prophets of Baal, and, and he calls down God to burn up the offering. Um, so it was pretty surreal to be able to read through uh, the scriptural text here and to know this is exactly where it took place. Um, so I mentioned my bags. So the, my bags did not get on the plane from Atlanta to New York, therefore not from New York to Israel. So this is me like going a couple, three or four days um, without being able to shave. Or I had like two pair of clothes because not the first time I'd lost my bags before, uh, hoping it wouldn't happen again. Um, but to kind of also give you some semblance of like Israel's that small sliver, but how dangerous is the surrounding areas right between me and Seth. You may be able to appreciate there's this little V-shaped pathway. So that's the Israeli Air Force Base. And so the uh, planes are st um, stored underground. And if they ever needed to get to Syria or Jordan, they can get there in a minute's time. So they actually normally run um, uh, flights while people are um, visiting these places. But it was, um, it was uh, Shabbat. Um, so because of that, they were, they, were not, they were not there. Interestingly enough, we ran into a church from Memphis while we were um, at Mount Carmel. It was kind of crazy. So, just, so I took these pictures. They have these signs for Jerusalem and Nazareth and Mount Tabor and the Mediterranean Sea, Mount Carmel. So when you're on Mount Carmel, you can literally just appreciate that in every direction you look, there's some mountain of biblical um, significance right outside that way. So Mount Precipice, I, you know, I, some of these stories, you're like, man, I feel like I glossed over these over time. But we went to Nazareth. This is the highest peak in Nazareth. Um, and what's interesting, and we'll show in a second, they, have a, they basically have a model of a synagogue um, there from uh, the time of Jesus. But after Jesus got up in the synagogue and read the scrolls from Isaiah, um, they actually, the people there actually planned to actually take him to this cliff and throw him off. Um, they were so wrathful about that, but he did escape. Um, they found some initial or old wine press and an olive press uh, from Nazareth, and there's this kind of cut-out area of Nazareth um, that they've made a Nazareth village. Um, so you can kind of appreciate what, what it would have been like. That's what a synagogue would have looked like. Those trees are actually either original trees or trees that came from the original trees that would have happened um, at the time of Jesus. And it was fascinating to look at some of the carpentry work um, that you can imagine Joseph or uh, Jesus would have done him himself. 
So this is one of the more unexpected um, amazing places. So this is actually a synagogue in Magdala, where Mary Magdalene's from, that was recently excavated 10 years ago. So in, in, in Israel, if you're going to do any excavation, you're going to build a hotel, or anywhere, you have to do at least six months to two years worth of excavating to figure out, is there anything of significance there? So literally, they've been digging for somewhere between six months or plus, and they were literally going to call it quits after two hours, and they found some coins. And they found coins that dated from 60 AD, 40 AD, and 29 AD, literally before Jesus' death. Um, and so they had to halt excavation, hold those plans. And this synagogue is an archaeologic site, and they never let anybody step foot on there, except they contacted Darren Whitehead, the preacher, and was like, hey, would you potentially like to give a talk and have a time of worship here in this synagogue? So in Luke 4, it talks about Jesus came into the area of Galilee. He went into their synagogues and, and taught them, and they began to worship them. So this was, um, there's some remnants of the Magdala village from where uh, Mary lived. And this was just an unbelievable time of, 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 of worship. Um, so we took granddaddy's Bible, um, Marathon and Seth's granddad's Bible there, uh, to the synagogue. And um, Darren, small world, Darren's wife Brandy went to church where Meredith's granddad preached. And his wife was also... Meredith's sister's roommate in college. Just crazy connections there. I stole some other pictures because they're way better than ours are. Um, I like to point out that I was not in that dream, nor am I in that picture, because I'm standing behind the guy on the first row that's about 6'4". Um, so I wasn't in the dream, wasn't in this picture, because Kyle was like, I was looking at some pictures on Instagram, see if I could find you, and I never could find you. I was like, I promise I'm standing behind that really, really tall guy back there. Um, and what's interesting, another small, so, um, and Kyle knows this guy um, on the far right. He actually um, is from Memphis. I was wearing a Memphis Grizzly shirt one day. He's like, dude, I went to Bellevue, went to Houston High School. I was like, well, how crazy is it that we're in Israel together? So we spent those first three days in this area of Galilee, and then we started moving our way um, to Jerusalem. Um, so we went to Caesarea, uh, and, you know, so many things that when I was pouring myself into getting ready for the trip, I was just looking to pour myself into the Gospels, but so many things, and Meredith's actually going to do Bible study fellowship, they're going into Acts. So there's so many things that happened in this um, uh, Mediterranean area in Caesarea um, with Paul, with Cornelius being the first Gentile conversion, but this actually kind of gives you an idea what Herod the Great's uh, palace complex looked like in Caesarea. He basically wanted to make it look like a little Rome. Um, this is one of the, you know, whether all the evidence on earth and always points to scriptural significance, you know, that, that, that never ha has not happened. We don't know where some of these things are. But up until about 50 years ago, there was no proof that Pontius Pilate actually existed. And they found this stone in excavation in Caesarea. This is a replica of that stone. And on the underside of it, it showed that this was under the rule of Pontius Pilate and dated it to this period of time. So literally up until 50 years ago, there was no record that Pontius Pilate actually existed in this area. And now it's in a, um, uh, uh, the main one's in a uh, museum, I think, in Jerusalem. But that was fascinating. Um, his palace was literally built into the sea. Um, this was this kind of showed Seth and I's immaturity. So this is actually a hippodrome. So this is where gladiator fights happened, and where they had chariot races. And so they said, "All right, you got 30 minutes." And so Seth and I were totally going to reenact the scene from Gladiator here. Um, but at that time, this lady came up um, and started sharing her testimony with us, and she talked about how um, she was um, and sexually abused as a kid by her brother, and how she Satan told her she was not worthy, and how she thought about taking her life. Um, which made Seth like, man, you really make God, you're really making me feel totally 
inept here because I was ready to film a, a gladiator scene here. Um, and this lady started pouring out her, her testimony to us um, and how she felt like God had abandoned her and never listened to her. And it was years later, she was talking to somebody at a church and she said they were talking about different things and how God doesn't always answer prayers. And this one lady said, I've always, I've always wondered what happened to this little girl. God told me 20, 30 years ago to pray for a little girl who was being abused that lived in Virginia. And she said, that was me. So she said, so I, I never knew, I never felt God's presence for the longest time. But at that point, I st stopped hearing the devil telling me I was not worthy. And I started feeling that God had been working on me from that time. So was, we were going from the Tiberias area down to Jerusalem. We had open, kind of open mics. So we got to tell testimonies. So when that lady, we encouraged her to share her testimony. There were, and she had a note in her Bible of a prayer of somebody that's been abused. And so she would read that prayer from time to time, but hadn't read it in 10 to 20 years. She's like, I don't know why I never left it out. Of, why, did, why didn't I take it out of my Bible? Well, there were literally in our bus 14, about 35, 40 people. Two other people came up to her later on that trip and said, I've been in an um, abused relationship, either domestic abuse or sexually abused. And so, like, oh my goodness, God literally had this lady on bus 14, not bus 15, so that she could share her testimony, that she could connect with two or three other people from even the other countries about that, which is pretty, you know, I still get goosebumps thinking about them. So we went to Jaffa after this. This is where Jonah fled from God. Um, this is where Peter bring Tabitha back to life. And this is, we talked about Caesarea with Cornelius. Um, we're going to show you this house over here in that top right corner is believed to be where Simon the Tanner lived, which is where Jesus, Peter was staying when he actually received the dream about the Gentile conversion. So um, this is, and then there's whales or large fish everywhere in Jaffa to, to mark uh, Jonah. So this is where David and Goliath took place. It's, it looks like a nondescript land. It'd literally be like if y'all were on I-40 and instead of getting off of Lakeland, um, you uh, just pulled off to the side of a highway, walked in some bushes, and then you found this Valley of Eli. But straight kind of about 11 o'clock is where the Israelites were camped out. And over here at about three or, or four or five o'clock was where the um, Philistines were. Um, and this is Seth and I trying to pretend to reenact the scene. I'm really bothered the bottom right picture is not technically accurate because I should have been facing the other way and that still bothers me to this day. Um, so this is us in Jerusalem. No, Seth and I did not plan on dressing like this. I've already talked to the Kellys. I left the room to make sure the bus didn't leave Seth and then he got on the bus and we realized we were dressed alike. Uh, but we figured, hey, if we're going to walk the streets of old Jerusalem together, we can, uh, we'll walk the streets of New Jerusalem and maybe in white robes one day. Um, this day was a kind of a heavy day, obviously an amazing day, but you know, being in the Mount of Olives, um, where um, Jesus uh, started to, to make his way back in before his arrest, um, to be in there with his uh, uh, disciples. Uh, that was a time of reflection, because we'll see in a second, the other parts of Jerusalem, there's a lot of, a lot of crowd, a lot of noise, and, but this was a time of unbelievable reflection. Um, this is the church there that they've built. It's interesting that the cross kind of blocks out everything else in the city of Jerusalem. Um, and as before Jesus came into the triumphal entry, um, this he literally weeps over Jerusalem, um, and he knows that they're going to reject him, um, and he knows what the next week uh, looks like ahead of him. Um, this is us kind of descending from the Mount of Olives. Again, that he took uh, um, his few chosen disciples a little bit further into the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, and this is where he literally is asking God to take the cup from him, um, but uh, he won't, will you know, follow his will. This is a pretty fascinating place. I didn't really anticipate this place having such an effect on us. This is an archaeological museum. They've literally found some remnants of some uh, very aristocratic houses and palaces in Jerusalem. So a lot of times when you're talking about walking in Jerusalem and walking where Jesus walked, most of that stuff is actually 30 feet underground um, because it's, the Jerusalem's been captured like somewhere between... 
I think 15 to 16 different um, uh, times it's been under attack about 50 to 60 times so it's mostly rubble so when you go under you actually can get say hey that actually may have been where they walked um, but this is underground it dates back to even before the time of Jesus this is maybe one of the most impactful places so where we're all standing back there um, they actually think this is probably the courtyard to where the uh, the high priest would have been because Herod um, um, and the, the local rulers would have allowed the high priest to arguably have the nicest living quarters in this area so they think with somewhere between 90% certainty that this may have been the courtyard where Peter denied Jesus I didn't know that they were about to tell us that and Seth and I are literally standing right there and I've always thought it was weird in scripture because we know Jesus is inside and Peter's outside but there's literally an entryway where the person that's talking sits right there so when they talk about um, and, and, and the Lord looked and turned to Peter. Jesus would have been being escorted by the prisoners and at that time the rooster crowed, able to make eye contact with Peter, which um, it was an unbelievably uh, heavy moment for us to just kind of sit there and realize that that's, that's what was happening. Um, they took us out to a courtyard. They think this may have been a courtyard where they kept prisoners or where they would have flogged prisoners. Um, so that morning, like Seth and I joke, like when we go to Disney World, I'm pretty excited to do Splash Mountain and Space Mountain and Big Thunder Mountain before lunch. Like, that's an awesome day. And here we've been into the, all these places. And so it was kind of a, it was a heavy morning. Um, and we came up here to um, uh, look over Jerusalem. These two silver or dome-shaped structures over there is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is where they think that Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection probably took place. Um, this is us walking through uh, the um, marketplace in Jerusalem. So something I didn't really think about, but because it was the Passover week, Jerusalem would have had three times the population that it normally had in, in uh, most days. So when Jesus was actually having to carry his cross and be mocked through Jerusalem as he was walking to the place of his crucifixion, it obviously didn't have Israeli soccer jerseys up there, but they would have had, it would have been unbelievably crowded and even more humiliating to be walking through places where people were just simply selling things. But, um, so this is what this church looks like. Um, and like, whereas the Mount of Olives, you had more time of reflection, this was very much um, a lot of art and adornment. Um, this is actually held to be, maybe this is where Jesus' tomb was. It was about a four-hour wait to get in there. Um, and n no way to know if that's really his, where his tomb was, but people were lining up to be able to go in there. Um, this lady is literally crying tears and using those tears with a cloth to wipe this rock, um, which is where they think potentially, um, dating back to literally 200 AD, um, this was thought to be the spot of the crucifixion. So they think this rock may have been where those three crosses stood. Um, so then we were like, I mean, like, just like emotionally drained. You've been in all these places where the crucifixion happened, the Mount of Olives. So then they gave us a little time to kind of calm down. So we got to go to the marketplace. Guns and Moses little shirts are everywhere. They've got your favorite NFL team. And somehow, even though we're not allowed to have them in the United States, Colonel Reb made an appearance there in, uh, in Jerusalem. Meredith was shocked because, like, we went to this place in Bethlehem. They had these nativity scenes from olive trees from Bethlehem. And I called her, and I was like, honey, these are, like, things of art. Do you want any? She was like, no, I don't want any. But why didn't you get that shirt of Colonel Reb? I was like, I didn't think you'd like that very much. Um, so this was a really special place. So this is the garden tomb. I was talking with the Kellys about it. This is an alternative site. Not that there's, we don't really know which one it is, but this one kind of feels like that. And even though know, maybe neither one are the right place, um, you can kind of have a sense of reflection for this. Um, there's a place you'll see called Gog, uh, the, 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 the skull that's in the rock. Um, Seth has a little bit better picture than I do. Um, and the tomb, that, the empty tomb here, they think is about the time of Jesus. It may have been a little bit older. We know that Jesus' tomb, he was the first uh, body to be laid in that tomb. Um, but right over here, you'll see, I'm taking a picture. If you can appreciate, there's a little bit of a, is there a pointer on here? Yeah, top button. Top button, okay. So this part, if you see it 
on the anterior view, you can kind of see that there's the eyes, here's the nose right through here and the mouth. And you can actually look pictures like 50 years ago and you can actually appreciate um, kind of more straight on view how that looks. Um, this is us going to the tomb. This might have been one of the coolest stories. So we walk into the garden tomb, and it's our whole group, about 120 of us. And as we're walking in, as I mentioned, there's people from all over the country. So there's this group from Colombia. And so we're walking through, and you start hearing them singing, Chris Tomlin, How Great Is Our God, in Spanish. And like they have no idea Chris Tomlin's like, walking through here. But that's, they're singing. They're worshiping. So then we walk through, and then there's this group from South Korea. And they've got their guitar, and they're worshiping, and they are literally singing, How Great Is Our God. So, and then we come through, and they came over, and this lady came up and, and was talking to um, Chris Tomlin, and she said, we saw y'all, and so we'd see all these people from all over the world, and we all had our you know, journey, um, uh, name tags you've seen us wear, or whatever, but ours had worship nights with Chris Tomlin, which is kind of funny, because people are like, so what you're telling me is, we're in Israel, y'all in Israel, and y'all have Chris Tomlin leading worship for your trip, we're like, yeah, it's kind of it's cool, but, um, well, this group, they'd seen our name tags, and they had prayed that they could you know, come worship with us sometime, even though their itinerary was going elsewhere. And this lady told him, she said, every day I wake up in the morning and I pray that we could cross paths with you guys and we could be there for a time of worship. And she prayed that like three or four mornings. And then the day we met them, she said, I woke up this morning and I prayed that. And she said, I heard a voice from God tell me you're invited. And then literally hours later, we met them there. I mean, it's just so, it's, it's kind of too crazy to be true if it was not true. But here's some pictures of the tomb. Um, and th we had a uh, time of worship there and, and communion and uh, right there kind of with the, the skull being right over here and the tomb being right over here. Uh, so the, we, Bethlehem, we actually weren't supposed to go there. So the Kellys went to some places we didn't get to go to. Um, and I remember we were talking to Seth and Carrie about where we we're going. And she's like, you're not going to Bethlehem and you're going to the Holy Land? I was like, well, technically it's in Palestine. It can be an issue to go there. But um, Darren and Chris have been able to go there. And they said, well, y'all need to make sure everybody else gets to go there. So. We got to go there, and it was, it was amazing. Um, we did not go to the Church of the Nativity scene. There were some issues going on over there. We actually got a letter from the US, or an email from the U.S. Embassy in Israel saying that there were going to be anti-American protests through different parts, so we didn't actually go to where the Church of the Nativity is. Um, but even go back to Genesis, this is literally where Rachel's tomb is. Um, one of the fascinating part, and we knew that, you know, we know this, that this is where um, uh, Jesus was born, but this is also, you know, passed through generations, so that would be the offspring of David. This is where David was. This is where David would have been his shepherd. Um, but in Ruth, it's amazing. You'll see this picture at the bottom right. This is the field where Ruth met Boaz. And then they had a son, Obed, and then they had a son, Jesse, and then they had David. Um, and so literally, David could have been a shepherd out in this field and be like, that's where my great-great-grandparents were. Um, and kind of get an appreciation of uh, what I always, it was just fascinating to see these, you know, Jewish boys. You're like, you know, we all think of, Jew, you know, Jesus looking like some picture we saw in um, some cartoon, but you're like, no, this is what Jesus would look like. The guy in the red shirt right here is a Palestinian Christian, and one of the really special moments was he, we prayed the Lord's, he prayed the Lord's Prayer over us in uh, Aramaic. So when you think about Jesus being born in a, in a main, uh, um, being born and then uh, being placed in a manger, this is actually probably what it looks like. And all these caves built into tombs. So it's not this pretty farm uh, with a little, a little stable. Um, so in these little kind of caves inside the cave, they would have had either the living room here, and this is where the animals would have been kept. One of the most fascinating things was when they talked about Jesus being born in swaddling cloths, and we think of swaddling babies. Swaddling cloths are actually specific cloths that, the, I don't know this, y'all may have, the specific cloths that they used for the sacrificial lambs so that they would remain unblemished, so that they would not flail themselves, hit themselves on anything, that they might break a leg, get scratched or anything, because they had to be perfectly spotless to be used as a sacrifice. And so when they talk about Jesus being found in swaddling cloths, 
the parallels there are, you know, amazing. Um, so this is the Western Wall. You may have heard the Wailing Wall. So this is a remnant you'll see in a second. Uh, let me go forward. So what we're looking at, this is what the temple would have looked like in Jesus' time. I think it's pretty cool. It actually looks like the Tennessee is what, what they drew right there. Um, but that actually is what, that is this. So you can get an appreciation of just how big that the second temple was that Herod the Great had built on the exact spot. And so much Old Testament history I feel like it's, I've, I've forgotten because literally where the temple was is Mount Moriah where Isaac was literally offered as a sacrifice by Abraham. And yet two thousand, you know, thousands of years later, um, God would bring Jesus there to be sacrificed for us as well. It's interesting. Men have an entrance. Women have an entrance. Um, you know, us unclean Gentiles. So the Jewish people, uh, it's kind of far off in the distance. They have to go. They have to turn the knob with their left hand, wash their hands. They're unclean. They turn the knob with the right one to turn it off before they enter this. This is considered their holiest site because it's the closest to where the holiest of holies would have been, this outside Western Temple wall. And yet, dude Steve from Arizona, I literally watched him sneeze into his hands and then just touch the wall. So, you know, us unclean Gentiles don't maybe have the same uh, reverence for this for, that they would have. Um, this is Seth and I walking up uh, to that area. So as I mentioned, most of the stuff's underground, so this is what the temple would have looked like in the second, um, uh, in the second temple period. Uh, so so many of these tunnels underground would have been different passages that the Jewish people took in and out. This is actually the city of David. Um, so this upper right picture may have been, this would have been David's living premises in that area. As our uh, uh, guide told us, she said, hey, don't have to imagine too, don't imagine too vividly, but this is probably where David could have been standing when he looked out and saw Bathsheba um, out there. So, and you just kind of realize how close everything is. That's where the city of David is. Right over here to the left is Jerusalem. That's where the Mount of Olives is. This whole clay-looking area is actually 70,000 to, 70, to 130,000s uh, Jewish, um, basically, coffins or cemeteries, the biggest Jewish cemetery in the world. And they're all facing that way so that when, and when they say the Messiah, Messiah returns, they will all stand up and be facing east when the Messiah comes back. Um, these are remnants from the temple. Um, when the Romans um, destroyed the temple, the stones are literally in some of the same positions that they were. Um, but this, this temple, again, these stones date back from the time of Jesus. Um, this picture over the left with our Jewish tour guide, this is actually based on some of the architecture of the arc of this room. The way some of the walls come out, they think this is probably where the Sanhedrin was. Um, and this is one of the more you know spots I, did, I, I thought about more and more la later. So mikvahs are ritual baths to the um, Jewish people. Um, so I won't go into the details, but because um, some of it is uh, not necessarily appropriate for Sunday school. But when, when men and women have relations, um, when they're in certain religious ceremonies, um, they would have to come into on one side. They would come in unclean. They would be immersed into this ritual bath and come out. Which us as Christians is like, well, that's what baptism is. But they don't really uh, see the the parallels with that, obviously. Um, but this is, in the, this is the largest mikvah in the Jerusalem area. So when 3,000 people became believers on the day of Pentecost, it's reasonable to think that a lot of them were baptized in this mikvah because it was the largest one that's been found in this area. So the southern steps, I didn't really know what the southern steps were when I went, um, but it's fascinating. It's just on the other side of the wall, so you'll see this is what I'm talking about. Um, but the Psalms of Ascent, so three times a year the Jewish people would come to Jerusalem for a festival, um, and um, Jesus and Joseph and Mary would have come uh, multiple times. Um, and Jesus came here when he was 40 days old um, to be de um, uh, dedicated to the Lord. Um, and, and, and Joseph and Mary, since they did not have much money, would not have been given a sacrificial lamb, but would have been doing total loves or a young pigeon. And was, so you have the temple behind you, so that's the dwelling place of God. You've got Jesus and Joseph and Mary coming the steps multiple times. And then you've got the day of Pentecost. This is literally the birthplace of the church. 
Um, so Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all this stuff happened on these steps. The Psalms of Ascent, when they would come up, they would sing these songs and talk about these psalms. They're actually uneven steps, and the thought process is that you can't just walk up and be social. You literally purposely have to think about every step you're going on so you don't trip. So you're purposely coming in to get your mind right, to be with the Lord. Um, it was fascinating. I don't know this, and not that Neil Armstrong is any more special than any of us are, but he's like, stepping on these stones was actually more special for him than stepping on the moon just for the um, spiritual significance of this. So then our last day was what I call Water Day. So we got Jordan River and uh, Dead Sea. Um, so, you know, Jordan River, um, this is probably not the exact spot where Jesus was baptized and where Joshua and the Israelites crossed over. Um, but the significance here um, is immense. You talk about the rebirth of God's people coming from the wilderness back into their own land and, and then us being reborn through, through Christ. Um, but this is where Joshua and the Israelites crossed over. This is where Elijah took his cloak and the waters parted. It's where Elisha came back after Elijah went up to heaven. Um, and then when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, the voice of heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Um, so Seth and I had already, we've already been baptized. He actually, I walked with him when he was baptizing Meredith at Highland Summer Camp years ago, not knowing he was baptizing my future wife. It's got, it was all kind of crazy. So, you know, we didn't feel a need to get rebaptized, but they said, well, you might want to get baptized. And some other people were getting baptized for the first time. There was a group from China that had a very hard time getting into Israel because China and Israel aren't friendly relations, and they were coming to get baptized in Jordan River. And then it was like, well, dude, you only come to the Jordan River once, man. We all got to get in the water. Um, and so Seth's like, well, you baptize me? I said, yeah, I'll baptize you. And so they were literally doing it one by one. Um, you can kind of see three people at a time. Um, and so um, Seth baptized me, and then we were supposed to wait for Darren to say his thing, and then we would all get baptized at the same time. And I just was clearly filled with the Holy Spirit. I started praying and talking over Seth and dunked him in. He's like, dude, you were clearly filled with the Holy Spirit. I wasn't going to stop you. Um, and later, Darren Whitehead's in there, and, and he and Chris Tomlin, they were, I think they baptized people for about two or three hours. And then at the end, Darren looked at, or Chris looked at Darren, and he's like, hey, man, will you baptize me? He's like, yeah, man, let's do it. And Darren's like, well, now you got to baptize me. So um, that, that, I still get goosebumps talking about that one, just being in that, in that spot where the clouds parted, the Spirit came down on Jesus. Um, it was an amazing experience there. So this is Masada. Um, so um, this is actually a palace that was built into this mountain um, in the Dead Sea in the background. Um, this doesn't have a biblical significance other than it did exist at the time of Jesus. But for Jewish people, this is arguably the second or third holiest site. So about 70 years um, after the birth of Jesus, um, the Romans had conquered the temple. About 960 Jews fled to this area in the mountain, and they went to this old fortress. Um, and then the Jewish people basically would not want to go into captivity again. So literally 960 Jewish men, women, and children were killed by the leaders of this people. They basically just... Every man killed his own family, and then they had ten men that killed all the leaders, and then one man killed all the ten. There was five people that survived, um, so they didn't want to get become um, slaves and be captive again. So for Jewish people, it was it's a it's a very uh, special site. But a lot of people, you know, if you're going to Israel, a lot of people will come uh, check that out. And there's us hanging out in the Dead Sea. Um, so as we're driving from Masada to the Dead Sea, we passed the Engedi region, which is where, um, as I mentioned when Eric was talking about a sermon where David fled Saul, um, he would have been hanging out there. Um, you'll see pictures in a second. Jericho um, is kind of northwest of this. And then at the end of time, according to Ezekiel, the Dead Sea, which has no life other than a, a little bit of fungi and bacteria in there because it's so salty, um, literally uh, will become teeming with fish, and there will be fishermen lining up across the shoreline um, when the second coming of Christ comes. And um, 
here's some pictures. So um, that's the Dead Sea, and they, some of these are the mountains that David may have been hiding out in. This one maybe is, um, and this is also the area where the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, were found. Um, this over here is actually Jericho, so we didn't make it over to Jericho, but that's where it was, so just on the other side of the Jordan River. Um, and you can see some camels and sheep. One of the fascinating things was about Psalm 23, as we were talking about, um, you know, if you look at pictures of sheep that are in um, uh, Ireland or, or England, they're, they're big and fat sheep, and they're on this uh, green vegetation. But when in Psalm 23, when he says, I make you lie down in green pastures, um, it's because most of Israel is, is desert, and then there'd be a fat, green pasture. So it's literally when God has seasons of life and he makes you lie down in a green pasture, it's for your own good. You want to keep going, but this is the spot where God needs you at the time. Um, I've got a couple more slides, but I know y'all got to go to, if y'all got to go pick up the kids, sorry, I've, I've been talking too long. Um, so this is our, this is our group, uh, Bus 14, Small World. She actually grew up at White Station Church of Christ. Um, this guy, so one of the things this trip made me want to do is really just pour myself into more understanding the story of, of Jesus that comes through that thread through the Old Testament. So this guy actually goes to Jewish synagogues every once in a while just so he can talk to um, uh, them to get a better idea of the history of the Jewish people. Um, this is our leader. She's um, Tally. She was the only person in her family that is a, um, a Christian. Um, this guy actually is like Bill Ivey's brother from another mother. This guy prayed over me and Seth in a way that very few people have ever done, and, and I thought about you over we there. Um, and this is a friend. And this is a, we were actually their uh, Uncle Jesse and Uncle Joey on the trip. We were missing our kids, and we, we adopted them as our uh, kids for the week. Um, uh, and this guy is amazing. He actually was a, was a family practice doctor, was in a horrible car wreck, had a brain injury, um, and kind of had f found God through this injury, and they're actually making a movie about him, actually. Um, this is me on the way back from Israel. I always feel like Ben Stiller now, or nobody can ever take my bags from me. Um, and this is our, our bus 14, which about 25% of people got the stomach bug by the end of the trip, but thankfully not, not me and Seth. Um, so I, ha I had 1,500 pictures. Carrie, um, um, Seth's wife, is the picture taker on our trips, so she wasn't going to be there. So I, the joke on the trip was, Seth, I'll be your Carrie. I'll take care of all the pictures, all the videos. I had 1,500 of them, um, and I had 120 of them to get through today, and I know I went through a lightning speed course, but I hope today um, you can see some of these places so that um, when, you're, when you're reading Scripture, when you think about the significance of literally the temple and where Jesus um, was, uh, was handed over is the same spot where Abraham were to offer up Isaac. And David fighting Goliath is us, and the Israelites being scared of what is ahead of them, is us being afraid of Satan and feeling completely inept to take over. But just like David was as the shepherd king, was in the field ready to take on our battles, Jesus has been there in the middle. Um, realizing that one day every nation, every tongue, every tribe will get together and worship God. And so when we were there from people from Colombia and El Salvador and China and South Korea and Zimbabwe and Nigeria, that's what all of us are going to be doing one day in heaven. And we'll be walking the streets of New Jerusalem. Um, and um, I'll thank the Kellys for, for, for all the encouragement y'all had and, and, and how y'all um, helped me prepare for this trip. And I, th I think if there's ever an, uh, a second edition of the Bible, there needs to be a beatitude of blessed are the wives who let their husbands go to Israel for nine days, leaving three kids behind. Because as Seth and I were calling, we were having these mountaintop experiences. Uh, Meredith and Carrie were yelling at kids not to pee on the floor and uh, to please clean up after themselves. So um, as I mentioned earlier, I'll be talking about this trip for the rest of my life. And, you know, if any of y'all ever have any, want to know more, I will be glad to talk to y'all um, uh, constantly about this trip. So I'll end us in prayer, and then we can go pick up our kiddos. So, Lord, we're so thankful for this day, and that uh, you've given us life, and, and life on this earth, and, and life with you eternal. Lord, I'm thankful for the people in this room, and the way that they um, have uh, encouraged me, and impacted me, and 
challenge me and, and teach me uh, about being a, a faithful follower of you and how they impact those in our community. Lord, thank you for um, the way you speak to us, both uh, today and in Scripture, that we may know you uh, closer uh, and more intimately, um, and that we can become more and more like Jesus every day. Uh, thank you for this trip. Thank you for the ways that you put plans in motion for this trip and for, um, for trips that these people in the room will take there one day. But um, no matter any of this, we're just thankful that uh, you love us so much um, that you're willing to send Jesus to die on the cross for us um, and for him to come back to life, for us to uh, have the lessons that he gave us on this earth, but more importantly, that we have freedom on this earth to live for you and we're filled with the Holy Spirit that we may um, shout to the, everyone around us, whether in Memphis or Jerusalem or all over the world, uh, that we are saved because of you. Thank you so much um, for your love and for your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week. Thanks, man. Let me grab yeah. the Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.